What's up, everybody? What's up, everybody? Monday, August 31st, 11, 17, and 50 seconds. Man, we're pressing record early. Um, we got a great show lined up here for you. Here's the deal. Here's the breakdown. We got Grayson. Grayson from the West Coast. We had to make sure you could get out of work. We, did, we wanted to make sure Grayson was here for letters from the lunch mail, give you some updates here. This is a big week for the Suns. This kicks off the Suns of previews. Football's around the corner. Football's happening. So buckle your bootstraps. Get ready for that. But first, when you buckle your bootstraps, take a, a meander on down to the Main Street Pharmacy. Main Street Pharmacy, Jeremy Counts. Always looking out for the Blacksburg community, whether you're picking up a prescription, whether you're picking up a Poland spring, or whether you're picking up some TikTok, Tic Tacs, because your breath is just knocking. Head on down to Main Street Pharmacy. They have you absolutely covered. Uh, we love the Main Street Pharmacy. You can see beautiful Jeremy Counts ripping up Matt Ryan on the main page of the website. I mean, what more do you want out of a, out of a pharmacist who takes care of you and doesn't like Matt Ryan? I mean, he's batting two for two, batting a thousand. Uh, but before we get into the podcast here, Pat, Mr. Haiku, we had a unbelievable influx of, of haikus come in. So, uh, Pat, why don't you kick us off with that? Got two that we're going to read off today. One of them from L. Powers and then the second from Grady Baker. L, a Charlottesville native. Oh. Live in Charlottesville, but wear maroon and orange. And hate UVA. Ooh, a little, uh, little. I love that pre UVA game. I mean, we did get an extended hate week here it's with true. the NC State game being uh, pushed back to the twenty sixth. Three full weeks of hate week. It's hate, hate weeks. Month. It's like hate month. hate month. Goodness gracious! And then Grady Baker. Let us see them live. We miss Lane and our Hokies. Fans will do their part. Now, I agree with this. This is a good take. So we had Notre Dame come out today. They said that they would have uh, students be allowed to be in attendance. Season, season ticket holders actually would not be allowed to be in attendance. But um, they are letting 20% capacity at their games this fall at Notre Dame Stadium. And their capacity is just over 80K. It's about 16,000 or so fans. Uh, should be interesting. That's the school that really uh, – really, really values the student experience. And they also have, uh, you know, quite a large budget to throw around as well, which is probably why uh, they were okay to, you know, put students first there, but good for them. Good for the Notre Dame uh, student body. Before we jump into it here, got a little bit of hokey news. New hire in the recruiting department. Come on down. Have, come on down. If you want to do work, if you want to do the heavy lifting for the Virginia Tech football recruiting department, we are more than happy to have you. And Alex White, Miss Alex White, graduate of the North University of North Carolina, we will not hold it against you. You are wearing maroon and orange. Uh, did a little bit of work at Appalachian State in their recruiting department. She comes on helping out with on-campus recruiting. I believe John Yetzi actually was the director of on-campus recruiting at one point. You see where he is now. Um, Alex will be reporting up to John, up to Mark as well. At the end of the day, this is important stuff that we are getting more boots on the ground in Blacksburg, helping manage the heavy lifting because that is not a easy job if you are short-staffed in no way, shape, or form. How is it possible, though, Pat? I mean, I mean, 
this is not just a Hogan Club read-off. Like this is a huge hire. And again, just getting more uh, more effort and more folks in the recruiting department helping us, especially so tomorrow is the first day of the 2022 recruiting cycle where coaches can reach out to players starting at midnight. So 38 minutes. Um, but what makes this possible, Pat? You got to join the Hokie Club. Listen, we got Jaron Gavea Winslow. We got Corey Fuller. We got Alex White all on our recruiting staff within the last 45 days. This is big time, and this is not uh, able to happen without the contributions of alumni, of fans, of family, uh, and folks who want to see this program get better. Uh, Recruiting is one of the key elements as well. And then while we're on the topic of the Hokie Club, we're on the topic of football operations, cardboard cutout. It is cardboard cutout season, okay? Let's get the message today. If you want to buy your own cardboard cutout, go ahead and do so. Support the team, buy the cutout. Listen, I'm going to get a cutout. Hopefully, it can go in Section 5. I'm getting a cutout. And, you know, I'll, could, I'll put a cool picture on it. Um, but what would be really cool, which I really hope that we are able to do, is to get those cutouts at the end of the season or, like, the second Ooh. to last game. Hopefully, it has, like, some nice laminate on it. And, you know, you put it in the basement 20 years from now, we look back on this 2020 season and that could be one special cutout. I mean, I'll be 45 years old. You know, I'd love to see what I look like when I was 25. I have a question though. Um, So what about after, you know, assuming that we find a cure vaccine for COVID after COVID times, can we do this cardboard cutout thing for people who can't be at games that often? Because I will make a donation to have a cardboard cutout sitting with my family in section 10 on the <laughs> west side of Lane Stadium where I would where norma- people are there anyway. Yeah, where I would normally sit and it would just be a picture of me smiling in my Michael Vick jersey and I think it'd be great. So I think it makes sense if if, if people didn't want to go to Virginia Tech games. I think that uh, University of North Carolina could definitely benefit from something like that. 100%. Yeah. schools should definitely consider it. Um, so that's that's 100% an option. But Grayson, look, I, I, on the topic of things that are awesome, talk to me a little bit about a couple of these articles that dropped today on the sonsofsaturday.com. So as, as y'all know, SunsaySaturday.com, it's been popping off recently. We had two awesome articles go out. First, Sam of Saturday, my guy, go goats. He knows what I'm talking about there. He puts out, do stars matter? Starts it off, it's the most contentious question of the college football offseason and maybe the most misunderstood. Y'all, you got to go check this article out. First off, I want to know, Sam, how long did it take you to write this? Because this is like a seventh grade book report. Like you got the you got the charts in here, VT versus 2014 NY6, VT versus 2015 NY6, 2016, 2017, the list goes on and on. He's got like box plots. I haven't seen box plots since like 10th grade algebra the fit of winning percentage. I don't even, this stuff is color coded. You got to go check out this article. It's a phenomenal read. And it really makes you think twice about do stars matter? Some say yes, some say no. And this breaks down the science and the numbers behind that. Also shout out to Robert Irby. He put out an article called three Hokies prime for a breakout season. 
Sons of no spoilers. I'm not going to tell you who these players are, who he wrote about. Also a phenomenal read. We lost a lot of talent last year on the offense, some on the defense. We have a lot of people coming back, but a lot of young guys are going to have a chance to flex, to ball out this season. Robert Irby takes a deep dive into three who could really be studs for the Hokies this season. So, sonsofsaturday.com, go check it out. One other uh, awesome, or another awesome thing that we have going on with the Sons of Saturday or the Scribes of Saturday, as you may know if you follow us on social media, Mike McDaniel is in the fold. We will be onboarding him here in the near future, uh, formerly with Sports Illustrated. So we're really excited about the awesome content that he will be coming out with. And then, uh, Pat, take us home. Karsten DeWolf, you got to give a big, big time kudos to the Karsty Crab uh, for writing an article, little, uh, little submission. An editorial, a uh, or I guess a um, what is this? A one-off piece comes in guest writer about his overalls that he wore from uh, the first game freshman year against Alabama all the way up to the I think maybe the last game was the West Virginia game. Might have been a couple games after that, but uh, over four and a half years of blood, sweat, and tears in those overalls uh, that the MV has wore. You'll see the pictures. It's got some great anecdotes there. And if you want to be a guest writer for the Sons of Saturday, please, please, please reach out to us on Twitter or over email. Tell us what kind of story you want to bring on, any fun highlights, any what-if scenarios, anything like that that you think uh, you know, will scratch your creative itch. Bring it on. Uh, send in some pictures. You could embed some tweets, some YouTube videos, what have you, and uh, we would be more than excited to welcome you into the Scribes of Saturday family. Speaking of YouTube videos, right now we are in the developmental stages. Ain't no we. Ain't ain't no we. we. Fine. I am in the I am in the development stages of my third. Well, I mean, we're putting it out as a collective, but I'm producing my third sons of. I am producing my third Virginia Tech football season trailer. 2020 season. This one's going to be a little bit different. Exactly what he said. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for that, Bill. I'm really, really fired up about this one. This one's going to be a different. The last two years I've, I've done dubs for Avengers infinity war and Avengers Endgame. This is going to be the first one that is completely original. Might get a little voiceover action in there. Don't want to give away too much. But stay tuned. Not going to drop a date right now. We want to make it right. We want to do it well. But uh, stay tuned, y'all. It's, it's, it's going to be a good one coming this, uh, coming this fall. Super fired up about that, about what you're going to be creating. I've uh, been doing some awesome stuff within, uh, within video production, so we're really excited about that. Real quick here, I know this is an Audible, a little bit different than our uh, regularly scheduled programming. You like that? You like that Audible? Pat gave me the t- two thumbs up. Um, so for the sake of time, we weren't able to do Letters of the Launch Pail with Josh Parcell. Busy man. Didn't want to keep him up too late, and we wanted to make sure Grayson got to weigh in on some of these Letters from the Launch Pail. So uh, we're going to do Letters from the Launch Pail right here in the pre-roll. First question from Dale Kaiser. Grayson, how does this 2020 team rank amongst the – Coach Fuente era teams of the past. Ooh, Dale. That's a good question, man. How does this team rank amongst the Fuente? Okay, so guys, I think we got to go with what we know here. Uh, Shout out to Billy Ray. You were on the 2016 football team. 
Uh, we all saw it. Came back from a 24-point deficit against the Arkansas Woo Pig Sueys. And uh, that, that was an incredible season. <laughs> an incredible season. Had so much talent on that team. The Edmonds brothers, Tim Settle, Mook Reynolds, Sherrod Evans, everybody. I mean, uh, almost came close, uh, came very close. Not almost, came very, very close to winning an ACC championship against the eventual national champion Clemson Tigers. Uh, but 2020, I would say, you know what? 2017 was also an equally talented team. Josh Jackson at QB. I think I'm going to put the 2020 team above the 2017. No disrespect, Billy Ray. I, I, I think the 2017 was infuriatingly talented. Cam Phillips uh, had a, a lot of ta- – still had the Edmonds boys on, on that team as well. But we have a lot of seasoned guys. Dax Hollifield's in his third year. You got – Devin Hunter, who's been waiting for his time. I think that kid's going to eat this season. Diablo is, is, a, is a senior now. The defense is very, very experienced. Then you have Hendon Hooker, who has a year under his belt. He's prime. He's ready to go. You've got Trey Turner, who's in his third year. Tavion Robinson, Caleb Smith. Then you have a mile-long running back room. Cannot wait to see what the 2020 team does. Haven't even seen them play, but I'm fired up. I, I, I think they're number two in the list. So I hope that answers your question, Dale. Last question that we'll take here from the letter to lunch, Pale. I think this one's from Dale as well. Uh, what team will we upset this year? Um, so I'm not going to go with UNC because I think that's what everybody kind of says anyway. I'm going to go with Louisville. Louisville is appropriately ranked really, really well. I don't think they are better than we are, but uh, we probably will be underdogs in that game. The game is going to be on the road. Pat and I were supposed to be in Louisville. I know Grayson was thinking about coming out to Louisville. Oh, I was going to be there. I was going to be there. Super bummed out about that uh, out in Lowell. But, um, yeah, I'll take the Hokies over Louisville. Um, Aside from that, fellas, got a great podcast with Josh Parcell. Please keep your eyes open on the sonsofsaturday.com. Got some awesome stuff coming your way. And uh, stay posted, guys. Fingers crossed. Stay socially distant. And let's play some football this fall. Go Hokies. Go Hokes. everybody welcome back to the suns we are what time is it it is 9 11 p.m on the 31st of august we can smell the football in the air and uh, we're gonna do a little bit of preview here we got josh parcell joining us uh from down the street we are uh, we're both in the queen city played a little golf at the uh the gifford muni course today had some fun out there but uh josh how's it going man all right, you're not truly a charlatan yet, Pat. Uh, it's Sifford, <laughs> not Gifford. This is not Kathy Lee Gifford's home course. This is Charlie Sifford. Doctor, I'm a little Dr. Charlie Sifford. You've been, you've been, yeah, that is Mr. Doctor, PhD, uh, Charlie Sifford, the one and only. Uh, you clearly haven't gotten used to Charlotte yet, Pat. 
I gotta say, I said Gifford, and I was like, you know what? Definitely butchered that. But uh, <laughs> I had a fun time. It was a little wet out there today, but uh, you know, went sub fifty on the nine holes. So it was uh, wow. Pretty excited you. about that. Yeah, Dave nice. did not fare as well. Sorry, Dave. Oh man, I've I've seen Dave shoot a forty six at Sifford, so uh, it's kind it, he he's kind of uh, he's kind of like the 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 what's, what do you call it a ringer when they're uh, when they show up and they, they they hustle you out of money. D- D- Dave Dave's the Sifford hustler in Charlotte. <laughs> we played uh, we played down at Springfield um, yesterday in South Carolina, and Dave was actually hustling us pretty good there. Part the first two and. Uh, he was right around the uh, 100 mark. He might have been under. He might have been over. We won't say. But uh, he had a good round. Man, there's a lot of great golf in Charlotte. I know there's a lot of, of Hokey fans down in this area. If, if you're near Charlotte, there are a ton of places to play golf. Pretty affordable if you want it to be. Certainly Sifford is. But uh, Dave and I, you and I, now that you're in Charlotte, Pat, we got to get out and play sometime, man. I'd, I'd love to get out there. And uh, there's all sorts of different courses to go exploring around Charlotte. Absolutely. Yeah. Very affordable. Just compared to Jersey, compared to DC. Uh, so I'll be out there exploring the tracks. Billy look, at you, look at you, look at you, look at you skipping New Jersey and then talking down on the Garden State. I can't believe you. Unbelievable. I, I'm not Never talking take... Hey, money is money. All right. Your dollar right. does go further here, my friend. <laughs> we're here to help you guys. Um, look, this is not your typical season preview. What we're here to do is we're here to talk about a little bit about storylines, here to talk about, do some like radio popcorn conversation here. Uh, we brought in the Radio King to be able to do that, but let's set the table here. Let's set the table. 2019, 2020, Virginia Tech goes eight and five, five and three in conference. Six and two with Hendon Hooker starting. So little fun fact thing for you to take of note. Roster outlook, who's returning? Hendon Hooker's coming back. Quincy Patterson is coming back. You're adding Braxton Burmeister. Running back, Keyshawn King, Jalen Holston, coming back. Wide receivers, Trey Turner, Tavion Robinson, Caleb Smith. Who do we have at tight end and offensive line, Pat? TEU, T-Unit. We're, uh, we're throwing it out there. I saw B-Fish put on the TL today. We got two uh, starting uh, TEs in the NFL. But James Mitchell is back, and we're also going to get some burn from Nick Gallo as well. And then uh, continue down here, offensive line. I mean, we essentially have everyone coming back. Everyone's a year older, a year wiser, a year larger. And Brock Hoffman joins the group as well. When I look at this, when I look at the offense and I'm thinking about our strengths, and I'd love to hear what you guys say. Obviously, the offensive line is something that jumps out to me here. But the biggest thing for me is time. And a lot of people are going to have a problem with that and say, well, we haven't had a spring and Hendon Hooker hasn't had a lot of time to work. Hendon Hooker hasn't had a lot of time for us to kind of go over the offense, but the difference here is how different is Hendon Hooker from Ryan Willis, whereas Hendon Hooker is going into the season knowing the offense that we're going to run, and regardless if it is Burmeister or if it is Quincy Patterson, you're running a very similar offense. So I think just knowing going into the season what offense we're going to be playing and you're adding the guys that we're going to add later on, I think time is definitely playing in our uh, in our favor here. What strengths do you guys think stand out here, Pat? I mean, I got to say that, you know, on top of the offensive line, the running back room is just from a depth perspective. I mean, since Coach Lex got here, uh, we've gone out and recruited a ton of running backs, um, whether it's from the JUCO level, like a guy like, 
Mark Lee, whether it's the transfer market like Khalil Herbert, we have Keyshawn King coming back. Um, and then, you know, Holston uh, has another year under his belt. Uh, Brunson and Jalen Hampton uh, as well are two guys that could be uh, contributors. But I, I see depth being huge uh, from the running back position. And then Josh, talk to me about the, I feel like the wide receiver room is kind of the wild card here uh, with the loss of Hazleton last year, you lose Grimsley, Jacoby Pinckney. What are your thoughts about the wide receiver room here this, uh, this fall? Yeah. I mean, look, losing Hazleton was a tough blow. I mean, the guy was great, especially I felt like around the goal line, he was a big physical receiver. They're not, you know, losing him is, is tough, but I like the receivers they have back, man. I love Trey Turner. I was reading a preview. I'm not going to say where it was. I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus, but I was reading a preview where they were ranking the top five offensive players on the team. And Trey Turner wasn't one of them. And I was stunned to, wow. to see that. It's like, I mean, which I guess could be a good or a bad thing. I mean, if you want to say that there are five players that, that you think are better than Trey, but I certainly don't, don't think so. I, I, I love having Trey. I'm excited to see uh, Tavion in, in a bigger role. That is a guy last year that I thought in, you know, small bursts uh, looked like could be a game-breaking type wide receiver. So I know a lot has been made. I mean, they lost Hazleton. I feel, who wasn't there one other? Oh, Grimsley. They lost Grimsley mm-hmm. to the to yeah. the transfer portal too. Mm-hmm. I I I liked Grimsley, but I do feel like they've they've got enough young players. Uh, Payute, I like Payute too. But I think I think Robinson's going to be the breakout on the, in that room. I honestly do. I mean, we know what we have in Trey Turner, but I I, I like seeing. I, I liked Robinson last year. Um, Pat, you you you're probably you're you Billy both probably know this better than I do. Is is Robinson still in the return game mix? That's yeah. going to be interesting. Is it going to be Robinson? Is it going to be King? Uh, I know yeah. a lot of guys are going to be vying for that spot. I personally miss, miss Greg Stroman, but I think we have a lot of talent uh, that can be returning kicks this year. It's going to be interesting. And Raheem Blackshear. I mean, I want Raheem Blackshear to touch the football as much as possible if he's allowed to suit up. So it's going to be interesting. Which he should be. Which, Which he 100%. should be. Can we get that out of the way now? I'm sure you guys probably hammered this in the pot already, but <laughs> that is absolutely ridiculous. The guys that are getting waivers these days, they're already going to legalize transfers in, a, in the next year anyway. It was supposed to be passed by now, but COVID interrupted that. Mm-hmm. A- and you've got a kid who is I mean, ready to play now. There's no reason why he shouldn't be eligible. I don't know why Virginia Tech has this problem. Nobody else does. But getting these kids eligible is absolutely ridiculous. And, I mean, Black- Blackshear, as you mentioned, return game, depth in the backfield, it would be so huge for us, but mo- mostly just for the kid. Like, the kid deserves to play. How are these other kids at le- able to play, able to get these waivers? You know, uh, Jerkovich is going to be the starting quarterback at Boston College. He gets a waiver. Um, you know, we've seen it all over the place. I mean, uh, Landers Nolly immediately eligible at Memphis. Jalen yeah, immediately totally. eligible at Georgia. Uh, it, seems yep. to be a one- it seems to be a one-way thing. Um, but that's definitely going be, uh, to be interesting. On defense in terms of returners – it is a packed linebacker room, probably the most talented linebacker room that we've had in some time. You got Dax Hollifield, Rayshard Aspie, and Alan Tisdale. Defensive backs, Devin Hunter, Shamari Connor, Jermaine Waller, Mari Chapman, and Divine Diablo. Defensive line, Jared Hewitt, Mario Kendricks, Norell Pollard, and Emmanuel Belmar. Fellas, what sticks out to us here with the uh, returners on defense? We'll start with you, Josh. Well, the linebackers are loaded. I mean, it's. It, I remember the the best linebacking group they've had, maybe ever, 
uh, is when Vince Hall and Xavier Adibi were here. I want to say James Anderson was the whip on that team too. Um, but, you know, that group stands out. The group uh, back in the late 90s with Ben Taylor, Jamel Smith, Michael Hawks, like that group was great. This has the potential to be one of those groups. I mean, Rayshard Aspie is an absolute animal. He's everywhere on the field. It's crazy because, you know, you want to get Dax on the field. You want to get Tisdale, like all those guys. It, it, there's not enough tackles to go around for all those three guys. But I think it's a great group. And, it, you know, it sucks. I know we're going to get to this. And uh, it, it, it stinks to, to lose Farley. No problem whatsoever with the decision that he made. Has to be clear about that, but selfishly as a fan, of course, you know the thought of having that back seven would have been absolutely nasty. It probably would have been the best back seven that we've had since that 06-07 Brandon Flowers, Macho Harris, Cam Chancellor type era. I don't think it would have been quite as good as that group, but it's the best that they would have had since then. But but the linebacking room is absolutely stacked. They they have too many linebackers right now. I don't know how they're all going to get get enough action and uh, get the numbers that that they're capable of. Want to talk about a really exciting and crowded room, Pat? Who might be? The, what might be the most talented side of the ball that we are bringing back in 2020? You guys need to know about the specialists. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sons <laughs> of specialists! <laughs> Gotta show love to my guys, Oscar and JPR and Brian Johnson and Oscar Shadley as well. And then you know we got some we got some solid uh, solid depth there, Kyle Lowe and Peter Moore coming in class of 2020. I mean the fact that you have all your specialists returning in a year where you have depth on both sides of the ball as well is actually uh, very very effective. And you know we got a you know uh, Lou Groza and a um, Ray Guy Award watch list guys in Oscar and Brian's. So uh, that's exciting too. And JPR does the, uh, you know, he does the high step in before he kicks it off. It fires <laughs> up everyone and it's going to be back again. Newly so, scholarship. Yeah, scholarly. So, so, okay. So you guys are, are uh, you're in favor of, of the high step. Oh your yeah. Team high step. 100%. Yeah. You need the All swag. Right. All right. All right. It, it definitely <laughs> is like on the fringe. Like it's like kind of <laughs> swag. Is kind of really like I I I, I kind of laugh at it a little bit. I'm not gonna okay. lie. It's one of those things where like he's our guy, right. so we love it. But if he wasn't our guy, I would probably make fun of it till the ends of the earth. But he it wouldn't be as fun if he kicked it out of bounds. As long as you're putting him through the end zone, if, <laughs> so if, true. If you're putting him in out of bounds, then I don't want to see the high step. But we haven't seen it out of JPR. Uh, and again, Brian Johnson hasn't missed a field goal since the UNC game. So thing to thing to keep your eye on. He's been knocking them through. Had a great game against Kentucky as well. Uh, and then new contributors. Offense. Brock Hoffman, Evan Ferris, Changa Hodge, Jaden Payute, who we're excited about. Raheem Blackshear, who we're excited about. Khalil Herbert. I mean, we're excited about all these guys. Nick Gallo. Shout out the Gallo family. And Tyree Saunders. Uh, so out of that group right there, who are we most excited about on the offense, fellas? Pat? Just by looking at Changa Hodge's stat line, if he can play – there, because there hasn't been any, any legislation or any regulation or what's the word I'm looking for. I think he's playing. This we year. haven't heard any word on if he can play, right? He so he is eligible, or you know, his case for eligibility is because his season was canceled because of COVID at Villanova. Uh, but Changa Hodge had 1,100 
uh, receiving yards last year. I think 13 touchdowns at Villanova. I mean, I know that's at the uh, the FCS level, mm-hmm. but we haven't had an 1,000 yard receiver since what was it, Isaiah? Bill, I believe so. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm excited to see what he can do. I know we've we've talked about Payud on here. Khalil Herbert, I think, is the best back in this room, and I don't. You know, I don't foresee an 1,000-yard rusher since we have so much depth at the running back position, but uh, he's another guy I'm really, really excited to see get on the field on the offensive side of the ball. I Josh, mean, what do you see out of these new uh, out of the new additions here on offense? I'm, I'm excited to see Hodge, like you said. I mean, obviously those numbers aren't going to translate to this level. I, I'd be surprised if he topped like six or 700 yards, but to add another body to the receiver room. We, we should have talked about him a few minutes ago when we, we talked about the rest of those receivers. But um, I, I can't wait to see Brock Hoffman play football. Yep. I mean, it was great watching him fire up the, the guys on the sideline last year. He was clearly so invested in the program. And I just love having guys like that. Like, I think about guys – I think we talked about this the last time I was on. But the one thing that, that this program has been missing – that it was missing in the down couple of years, not last year, but the two years really before it was an attitude. Mm -hmm. I I didn't feel like this team had an attitude or an edge about it that defined the great teams of the Beamer era. Like Beamer's teams played with a chip on their shoulder and they were so passionate and they, they just, they they were hardworking. It was a lunch pail mentality. I mean, they really truly embodied that. Right. And knowing what I know about Hoffman, I mean, I can't say enough good things about that kid. And and just observing him, I mean, I sat – the games I was there last year, a lot of them I was sitting right behind the bench. And just watching him, just how engaged he was. I mean, look, it's easy if you're a transfer and you're sitting out the whole year, and especially the way it went down for him, for you to just be a fly on the wall, you know, support your teammates. But but he was – I mean, it, 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 I almost thought we were going to get a penalty for having to pull him off the field at times. He was so excited last year. So – I just can't wait to see him on the field and, and, and play. I know he's talented, but that kind of attitude and, you know, the Sam Rogers of the world that, that we had a few years ago when, when, when Fuente first got here, having a leader like him, I think is going to be critical, not just for, you know, holding up blocks, but, but also that, that voice in, inside the locker room. And Josh, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about uh, the last name here, but on defense, we're adding Justice Reed, which is going to be huge. We'll talk about him later. Devin Taylor, Amari Bono. Keontae Jenkins, Robert Wooten, but talk to you about Justin Hamilton. Um, you know, you can't make the point enough about what Bud Foster meant to this school and what it meant to, he meant to this football team, but Justin Hamilton set, uh, stepping in kind of, you know, inside hire, a guy with juice cut from the same cloth. What are you expecting out of Justin Hamilton? You know, th- there are so many coaches that never get the opportunity to prove themselves and, um, we'll never know if they would have been great coordinators, great head coaches or whatever. I mean, a lot Ed Orgeron became a head coach after being a position coach. And now he's one of the best in America. Dabo Swinney, the same thing. Right. Um, so Justin Hamilton's lack of experience doesn't, doesn't necessarily scare me. Um, mostly because of the, the reasons that everybody already knows. He, he knows Bud Foster's defense, Bud gift wrapped him a defense with a ton of returning talent. I don't think that's a coincidence. And the continuity will help him transition into this first year. Um, so I'm not worried about the lack of a resume. Would I have liked, you know, uh, Odom? Would I have liked Barry Odom or even a Todd Grantham or just someone who, who has a bigger name? Sure. But Virginia Tech's not in a position to shelve out that kind of money for somebody right now. I mean, they, they were lucky to retain Bud as long as they did. 
Um, so I'm, I'm excited for Hamilton. I think Hamilton brings some much needed energy. Uh, I love Bud. It, it, it felt like, and this is going to sound like a knock on Bud, but the Bud Foster of 2005 and the Bud Foster of 2020 were, I feel like, two slightly different guys. I, I mean, but, but Bud was, he still had the energy when he needed it, but, but in 2005, I mean, Bud Foster was just a maniac and it felt like he had all sorts of energy. You, you could definitely see Bud maybe you know, aging a little bit. And I think Justin stepping in and being a younger guy who's eager to get out on the recruiting trail and prove himself as a coach is going to be a big deal. So it's a great roster. I mean, he's, he's, he's gift wrapped a good, a good, uh, you know, good group to start with. And I'm excited to see how he, how he handles it. Absolutely. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to run into the schedule outlook really quickly. We'll talk about the first two games, a little bit of depth, but then we'll, uh, we'll go into, um, kind of more broad subjects. Look, I'm two and zero in round two of the NBA playoffs. I took the bu- I took the Bucks to lose tonight. I took the Celtics to win yesterday. So I'm two and zero, but I'm not going to be projecting nice. for weeks and weeks and weeks out. Um, but here we go. So schedule outlook: forty to one odds to win the conference, over under seven and a half win total, and we kick the season off with UVA. Should have been NC State, but we kicked the game off with uh, with the season off with UVA. Thoughts on that, Josh? Well, it's going to be nice to have the Commonwealth Cup back after, what, a nine-month vacation. That's it. I mean, Virginia, and, I, and I say that as a homer, but objectively, Virginia Tech should win this game easily. I think Virginia is arguably one of the five worst teams in the conference this year. Uh, I thought Bryce Perkins boosted that team in a lot of games last year. Uh, the Florida State game, uh, Georgia Tech. Uh, obviously Virginia Tech, <laughs> they, we know very much that Bryce Perkins won that game. Um, and, and there's one or two others where they needed Perkins to be a superhero to win. And they return a lot on defense this year. Snowden's, of course, did the big-name guy. But I don't think offensively they're, they're much of a threat. And when you talk about the defense we were just you know discussing and how much uh, Virginia Tech brings back, I, I see Virginia having a hard time moving the ball on, on the Hokies. So – I, I honestly, I think Virginia Tech wins easily, and, and and not to mention getting them early in the year when Armstrong is you know so new, so inexperienced. I I, I think this is a thirty-eight, fourteen type game. I mean, I really do. I I think this is a, and I know Virginia Tech is going to have. I almost think they'd prefer to open with, with Virginia because this is a chance for them to really. Uh, you don't get to play that marquee non-conference game early in the year. This is the next best thing. Go play your in-state rival and go take the cup back. And, uh, Billy, I know you wanted to zag here because I know you're kind of expecting something else out of this I'm, game. I'm not going to say it's a zag. I fully expect us to win this game. I just don't love the way – and I know this year is completely unprecedented. I don't love the way that we played in week one. Um, I guess not as of recently necessarily. Last year we didn't play great against Boston College. Every year Can I zag you? Can I zag you? You want to zag my zag? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yes. Zag my zag. Okay, so Fuente in four years, 2016. Given the benefit of the benefit of the doubt, the uh, the Liberty game was not great. Mm. 2017 took care of business in the Capitol against West Virginia. Possibly 2018 best win in the last five years. That uh, maybe we'll talk about that later. 2018. <laughs> 2018, going to a hostile Doke Campbell Stadium and mopped the floor with the Seminoles. And then last year was just an anomaly. I mean, Ryan Willis threw three picks. You had Grimsley drop the ball uh, in our territory. I mean, Willis had – I saw this – I think it was on Clark's on this day and last mm-hmm. year. And Willis had four touchdowns but three picks. Like, 
Fumble the ball in the red zone. I'm glad but, I'm glad we're in a different situation, but I think generally Justin Fuente prepares his teams to come out of the gate strong. And I know this is an anomaly of a year as well, but right. I, I'm excited to see what we have week one. We should win the football game. We should 100% win the football game. They have a great player in Charles Snowden, um, but I'll be honest. I, th- I think we win by two scores. We should win, um, but the whole week one thing is just, you know, it's just another uh, – another curveball. I'm interested to see what happens. And in terms of curveballs, Pat, I know you have a huge problem with this. North Carolina State, week two. Talk to me about the rescheduling, scheduling, what the hell's going on? Yeah. So Josh, you know, you are a Carolina radio host. So I want to hear, you know, what kind of feedback you've gotten from this. But Moving this NC State game back, was it a justifiable move? Is it justifiable? It sets a really bad precedent for the rest of the season, doesn't it? Interesting. Explain to me how it sets a bad precedent before I respond. Yeah, so as far as they come out and say that folks involved with the team have tested positive and it's kind of going out throughout their entire athletic department, and okay, that's fine. We understand. Might have to shut it down for, you know, a couple days, a couple weeks, what have you. They push back our game to our only early open date, which is the 26th of September. And, you know, it's still fine. Got to protect everyone. But then they announced a couple days ago that they will be practicing this week, which essentially would have given them an entire two-week runway to prepare for the game against Virginia Tech. So now in this case, Virginia Tech is not receiving benefit of this at all. And now we're losing one of our bye weeks. And, you know, if this happens again, are we just going to continually kind of... Uh, can we just make decisions, like, and not need to make a decision immediately? Like, can we just kind of go day by day instead of, like, seeing something and then making an immediate decision? I feel like that's kind of been the trend with this whole thing. Uh, I'm sorry, Josh. I know this is your point. But that's the one... Th- that, that's, for me, what the problem with it was, was, hey, we have this issue. The game's three weeks out. Let's make a decision right now before we have all the facts or we know what the exact situation is. Cause two weeks is plenty of time enough for a runway in my opinion. Well, so you, you're right there. And, and when Pat brings up the word precedent, I think Billy, you hit the nail on the head is that if we're going to make decisions three weeks ahead of time about games, well, you're not going to be afforded that luxury in two weeks. No. <laughs> you're you're going to have to make decisions the, the week of the game. Now a skeptic would tell you that this is the reason why college football is not going to happen is because you're going to have too many teams that will deal with outbreaks. I mean, I mean, you guys know this. If, if your three quarterbacks test positive, what are you going to do? Like, are you, just, are you going to put a, a running back at quarterback, or are they going to cancel the game? Like, what, what's going to happen? I do remember Maryland playing a linebacker at quarterback a few years ago, so it has been done, but I don't know that that's the, the ideal uh, solution. No, I mean, look, I, I, to, to, Pat, to your point, I see what you're saying. Um, I don't know exactly who is practicing for state. Um, I, I did see that uh, there was speculation that maybe certain players who were, I, I'm assuming, you know, through contact tracing might be at risk. Maybe they're not playing as my dog comes into the room. She wants to talk about the game too. Um, but no, uh, there, yeah. So there are, you know, with, with contact tracing and potentially, you know, quarantining players who may have been at risk, I could see where state wants to get back on the field, but yet it wouldn't be fair if they were practicing with two thirds of their roster to ask them to play when Virginia tech is practicing with conceivably a full roster. 
that would be my only argument for it. But I do agree that at some point we need to know, we need more transparency from the schools. Um, and we need to really think about how we're going to be able to, to form a contingency plan. If, if there are outbreaks or the or, outbreaks is such a, you know, a strong word, but if there are positive tests on a Wednesday, when you test, are you going to have to cancel games? Cause if you are, I mean, you can't move, you can only move so much and right. they're already pushing back the start of the season. You kind of have to go and just deal with the attrition as it happens. If you think you can pull off the season at all, the, the first few weeks is going to be really telling, not, not just for tech and NC state, but every team across the country that's still playing football. NC State returning an awesome uh, front defensive line, uh, coached by Coach Wiles from Virginia Tech. Uh, and Brian Mitchell is over there as well, so it'll be a little uh, little hometown reunion. 10-3, we play Duke at Duke, revenge game. Um, Duke's going to be down, so excited to see what happens there. Uh, all right, UNC, this is the last time we're going to talk about one of these teams extended. I'm going to be honest with you. Are we sure that North Carolina is that good? Like, how different are they than us? Thank because you. How different Thank are they you. than us? Last year, they were one in six in games that were settled by one score. And everybody that – I'm old enough to remember that everybody is telling me, well, when you lose a bunch of those games and everyone's coming back, then that means you're set up for success. I remember that the young guys were bringing back one really close games, one the North Carolina game. You lose, uh, you lose the uh, Kentucky and the Notre Dame game, but – I don't really understand the hype around North Carolina. They're recruiting really, really well. Sam Howell is very, very is is pretty good. Daz Newsom is very good, but I really don't see how their eons different than Virginia Tech. Am I missing something, Josh? Or what is the deal? Well, yeah. So I think I think there were three and six in those games, right? Not one and six because oh, maybe I got it wrong. Because they beat South Carolina by four. They beat Miami by three the next week, and then they I remember them beating Duke by three too. Damn, um, wrong. So so there's. Well, but, but I, th- I think three and six is the right number. But to your sure. point, the, the, the common logic would say, well, you know, close games, regression to the mean, maybe they right. win a few more, you, mm-hmm. you know, you win more games. Obviously, they return a lot of talent. I get it. People are, they've got to stop thinking that Carolina's last two recruiting classes are, have matured three years and are on the mm-hmm. field and playing for them this season. Is North Carolina going to be a top 20 team in the next two to three years? Yeah, probably. But last year's team took a knee on fourth down in the South Carolina game and handed the ball back to South Carolina. Inexplicably took a knee on fourth down. That, that, who does that? Uh, that is, that is the, the rust of Matt Brown showing up. Uh, South Carolina ended up, I mean, it was like they needed a Hail Mary. It wasn't complete, whatever. But they made one of the biggest coaching blunders you can make. The next week against Miami, Sam Howell needs a miracle on fourth down in like 17 to keep a drive alive that ends up leading to a win, which is great. But I mean, again, one play and they lose that game. Uh, the Duke game that they won, if Duke doesn't call David Cutcliffe, who I think is one of the best offensive coaches we have, calls yeah. a jump pass on the goal line that gets intercepted by Chad Surratt. If they don't call one of the stupidest trick plays, that's a lot. Like Carolina got so lucky in so many of those close games. They uh, people remember the Clemson game because it was the one game that they played on a national stage. So everyone's like, "Oh, Clemson! They nearly knocked off, or, or North Carolina! They nearly knocked off Clemson. This team must be legit." And it's like, not really. This team lost a lot of close games. They were in a battle with Georgia Tech in the middle of the season, which Georgia Tech was a train wreck last season. They you know lost to Pittsburgh a week before Virginia Tech beat them by twenty eight in Blacksburg. 
I just I think North Carolina is getting a lot of love for a couple great recruiting classes because their head coach is beloved by the media. And I get it. I've interviewed Mac four times, and you fall in love with him every time you talk to him. He is easy to root for. But they beat a FCS team. They beat a North Carolina State team that had quit by the end of the season. And then they beat – I'll give them credit. Like, the win over Temple in the bowl game is great. But bowl games with three weeks off and who knows who cares about the game. And it, it, We overreact to bowl games every single year. You guys know that as well as anybody. I think North Carolina is vastly overrated. The fact that they're, what, 18-1 to 1 to win the conference and Virginia Tech is 40-1 to 1 is absolute nonsense. I didn't even mention the fact that they iced their own kicker in the game against us. Yeah. It probably cost them that game. I, they're great recruiters. I have serious questions about UNC's ability to coach. I, I think that coaching staff is great on the recruiting trail. Play calling last year was a mess at times, and late game clock management was a disaster. Virginia Tech is a better football team than North Carolina, and I, I'm stunned that so many people don't think that way. Pat, your zag. Here's the way I see it is that I have watched that six-overtime game so many times, and that was <laughs> – such a good football game and those were two very very good teams talented teams young teams I see us kind of on the same level um yes I I do completely agree that Virginia Tech should not be a 40 to 1 whereas Carolina is 18 to 1 um but you know I do think they have a ton of NFL talent on their team Michael Carter tore us up Daz Newsome Bo Corrales Storm Duck. I mean, Sam Howell was was Sam Howell a redshirt freshman or a true freshman? No, true true freshman. Sam Howell was Howell's, a true Howell's freshman. Great. He's fantastic. That was awesome. Yes, he's fantastic. Awesome. I com I completely agree with the notion that they are not much different from us, which is what excites me so much about playing them on the tenth and playing them the next few years with Sam Howell here. Um, you know, with what recruiting they have coming in that's when we can kind of really get scared obviously. And you know, the scope of their program with the resources they have as well. But yeah, I think as far as a 2020 level, I think both Virginia tech and Carolina are both top 20 teams and I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I think, let me, let me jump in real quick. Yeah. Cause, cause um, so two things. Yeah. I totally agree. They've got talent like uh, Carter. They've got good backs. Uh, Daz Newsome, obviously super talented kid who tore up Virginia tech. Hendon Hooker did not play in the second half of that game. Mm-hmm. Virginia Tech had Quincy Patterson on the field running essentially the single wing for the entire second half where you knew almost every single play what was coming, and Virginia Tech still ran it down North Carolina's throats. That defense was not very good last season. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Jay Bateman's a great coordinator and is, has a great long history. It was a great job at Army. Virginia Tech, if Hendon Hooker stays into that game, they led 21-17 at halftime, kind of woke up in the second quarter of that game. Hooker gives out, goes out, and, and then they, you, know, you have to go to the Quincy Patterson experiment. But Virginia Tech's better. And, and to your point, Pat, it's not even so much that North Carolina is overrated. I think they're slightly overrated. I think Virginia Tech is vastly underrated. It's, it, North Carolina, 18-1, to 1, fine. Right? Miami, 14-1 to 1 is an absolute joke. But North Carolina, 18-1, to 1, why is Virginia Tech 40? And North Carolina, 18 to 1. I don't think either one of them is winning the conference. Clemson's going to win it. But if you're going to try to assess these two teams, Virginia Tech and North Carolina are at the very worst the same. And honestly, I would think Virginia Tech's better. But it's crazy to me how much public love North Carolina is getting 
when Virginia Tech is, is the, to my mind, the, the better football team right now. Completely agree. And I think you made a good point too, uh, Josh. I think team culture and coaching is going to be impossible to hide this year with this type of setup. Uh, yeah. Teams that are not run effectively, teams that do not have good leadership and coaching that is not effective is going to be a serious problem in this condensed schedule and this just odd situation. So I think that's definitely something to watch out for. Speaking of coaching, uh, we'll go into warp speed here a little bit. Boston College, I love their new coach. I don't think it's time for Boston College yet. Um, so that's going to be an interesting matchup. Also, Anthony Brown transferred to Oregon. Uh, Wake Forest, Sad Charat opted out. Louisville, in my opinion, Josh, you're going to agree with me here, I think. I think they're the second best game on our schedule. I totally agree. Uh, I think Louisville is really good. <laughs> Offensively. Defense, right. they're terrible. De- mm-hmm. Defense, they were outside the top 100, I want to say, in total yards. They were very much near the bottom in, in a lot of categories. I can think of so many games last year where, you know, they just gave up so many points. Uh, Wake Forest, it was like a 61-59 game. Um, they, they, Kentucky ran all over them last year, although not that we have much room to talk. Um, but Louisville's defense held them back in some games where their offense coming along. Offensively, I, they might have the second-best offense in the league. I mean, mm-hmm. Mikael Cunningham, Javian Hawkins, and Tutu Atwell is about as good of a trio. Honestly, that might be a better – no, it's not a better trio than Clemson because Clemson has ETN to go with Lawrence. But, but outside of that, Louisville is as good as it gets, um, and that's going to be a battle for us. And losing Caleb Farley, that's the kind of game where losing Caleb Farley, I think, could show up. Are we going to play this Liberty game? Man, you you guys might be more in uh, in tune with with what's happening with that game or not. Is is there talk about scrapping it? I know Liberty is. Uh, that would be right game. Now. That would be game number seven out of a ten game in a row streak. Um, that is the that is my. Pro- I don't know anything about the politics of it, but playing ten games in a row, I do not think is good practice. By either that, either we make that game a bye week right. somehow. Wit says, I'm sorry, we need this as a bye week. Or on the condition that something like this NC State thing happens again, hey, we need the Liberty Week to say, you know, we, we're playing Wake Forest that week now because someone on Wake had an outbreak or someone on Tech had an outbreak. Right. What's your, what's your, do you think we play this game, Josh? I hadn't thought about it that way. Um, I would still lean yes. I mean, it makes sense to want to give yourself the extra week. Um, it really doesn't add any value uh, if you're not going to have – I mean, who knows if there's going to be fans at the games. There'll be a couple cardboard cutouts. Um, <laughs> but other than that, uh, it's not like you're giving up a ton of revenue for the game. Um, obviously, the conference schedule means more. I hadn't really thought about it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I would lean yes, but obviously, to you guys' point, if there needs to be any other delays or you know, reschedules of games – that that's an ideal week to make it happen. So if that happens, then yeah, I could see them telling Liberty that we need that week to play. Miami on eleven fourteen again. I think this is the season. It's going to be impossible to hide poor coaching. What is your take on Miami, Josh? Uh, the same as it is every year uh, until they prove it on the field. Uh, I'll be waiting. Um, they've got a lot of talent. They've got the the best quarterback uh, play caller combo they've had in a while. I'll give him that. Uh, Derek King is was tremendous at, at Houston. But I watched um, all of Derek King's last full season at Houston um, earlier this month. 
And he really does look like a wide receiver playing quarterback, which is what he is. He was a wide receiver at Houston. He split some time. And then once he went full-time to quarterback, he's a great athlete. But I wonder how much that will show up at the higher level, right? Like when you're a great athlete in the American, you can rely on that speed and that change of direction to, you know, evade a lot of defenders. A lot of his passes, touchdown passes, weren't a ton of you know, – we're not a high degree of difficulty. I, I'm skeptical that he's going to translate to this level and be a superstar, all-conference player like some are predicting. I would rather have Hendon Hooker than, than De'Eric King. I think if Hooker was playing in the American, he'd have 40 touchdowns. So um, I, I think King is probably getting a little too much love, but it's as stable as their quarterback room has been in a while. I'll give him that much, but – probably since Brad Kaya, but I, I still think Miami, again, 14 to one to win the division or win the conference is, is insane to me. Then 11, 21, we go to Pitt. Jalen Twyman opted out. He's the best player on the defensive line. You get a bye week and then you play Clemson, hopefully twice, uh, once to end the season. And again, for the ACC championship. Uh, but there's your season. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm interested to see, if we can complete the whole thing or how far we get into it, but really excited. And we'll dive into these games a little bit more on a future podcast, but uh, to stick with the radio theme here, Pat, as you always do, you came up with a nice little pun here. What do we got coming up here? So we have the home field hot takes. So the sons of Saturday home field hot takes this little segment here brought to you by home field. Home field is uh, one of our new partners and they do a fantastic job of, Digging into the school that they represent, think of it as like a fanatics.com, but you know, uh, the material's softer. You got the old school fighting gobbler logo, some skipper cannon action. Go to homefieldapparel.com, use promo code SONS OF SAT for 20% off your purchase. I got to tell you, Homefield, like these guys, once they start blowing up, uh, they could really dominate the market. Uh, They're launching a new school every single weekend of the fall. It's called Big New Saturday. So, you know, even if your friends aren't hooky, or even if you got family who's not hooky fans or what have you, check out uh, Homefield. They're always putting in their cool uh, Big New Saturday launches every Saturday of the fall season. So Homefield Hot Takes. Josh, I know Hot Wings and Hotter Takes is a big thing in this uh, (laughs) Charlotte metro area with the guys. But uh, what we're going to do here is just – Throw out some hot takes. Billy's got a couple prepared. I got a couple prepared. Grayson sent one in as well. Um, but we'll kind of just uh, run it down this list here and uh, see where we can go. First one is submitted from Bryce Chalkley. He says the ACC championship is played. Hot, his hot take. What do you guys is think? Is that a hot take or is that, a, uh, is that wishful thinking? <laughs> Which one is that? That's sure. a prayer? Uh, no. You might be right. <laughs> He might be right. I hope he's right. I hope he's right too. Um, could you see them? I mean, let, let, if they finish the regular season, they'll play the game. Like it's not like they're going to get through the ten games and then say, "Well, you know, we're just we're lucky to finish to, to you know finish the regular season." So let's just give it to Clemson. I mean, they'll, they'll play the game if they get that far. I'll, I'll, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. I think, I think it can work as long as these kids go home and it's just football players on campus. That's probably going right. to be the big thing. And Grayson, uh, sticking on brand bag. <laughs> the, season, the season is a wash after week three, Virginia tech gets to play Duke and then crap hits the fan. Look, as long, honestly, if we can play UVA and beat Duke and beat NC state, like 
I guess it's better than nothing, I guess. Um, I hope he's wrong, but very on brand. We, uh, we'll see what happens. Here's that first hot take. I don't know if any of those are hot takes. Virginia Tech, for the first time since 2011, will finish top three in rushing across the ACC. I'm going to tell you why. We have the best offensive line, and I can't remember how long, Josh. I'd love to know when we had an offensive line this good and this big, to be completely honest. We're big on the defensive line and the offensive line. We have backs that are versatile and able to do a variety of different things. And for the peanut gallery out there, Trey Turner is going to be getting some uh, some jet sweep action. So I think Virginia <laughs> Tech will be top three in rushing across the ACC. Not since 2011. Josh, when was the last time we had a line like this? When was the last time we had some backs like this? So the one that comes to mind, you can tell how much I love the 2006, 2007 teams, um, would be that that time. Because you had Dwayne Brown, you had Ed Wang, um, Sergio Render yeah. was on that team. Um, Ryan Schumann was the center on those teams. Those That, that was a really good offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we may have had one since then, but, but I mean, Dwayne, Dwayne Brown's been the highest draft pick the, the, the Tech's had in 30 years on the O-line. So just him alone feels like uh, is reason enough to, to, to say that's the best they've had in a while. But, yeah, that would be it. I like, I like to take – I mean, let's think about this. Carolina returns two of the top 20 running backs in America. Clemson has ETN and Lynn J. Dixon. Um, Louisville has JV and Hawkins, and obviously an offense is going to put up a lot of points. So that's a, that's a tough list to crack. But with the best offensive line in the league, I, and, and I, I think Virginia Tech has the best offensive line in the league, and a stable of backs that, and an offense that's going to be probably predicated heavily on running the ball, yeah, I mean, I, I think they'll, they'll certainly be top four. Your hot take was top three. Um, so I, it, you know, maybe we'll, maybe they'll crack that, but I, I they're definitely going to be one of the top four or five. There's, there's no question about that. I think they were fifth last year in rushing yards. They should be higher this year. Mm-hmm. I have a two part hot take slash follow-up that I'm curious to know what you guys think. Um, so this is year five of Fuente and Brad Cornelson. And one could argue that 2016 was easily, you know, the be- the best year offensively. I want to know, first of all, is this offense, since there's not really a, a big target like a Hazleton or a Bucky Hodges, I mean, you have James Mitchell, but he's, you know, he's not a Bucky. Is this offense really just going to be speed-oriented you know, with a ton of jet sweeps, end-arounds, screen passes, slants? Um, how is this offense going to be different than offenses of the years past? And is this offense going to be better than the 2016 team. So just to avoid me screaming at you in a couple minutes, I'll just do it now. This is, this is, this, this take angers me more than anything ever. Uh, I understand it's unfair to say that they won't be, but just, just a little reminder that the 2016 team had the number one wide receiver in Virginia tech history and the number two wide receiver in Virginia tech history going into the season was returning a uh, 1000 yard rusher and Trayvon McMillan and also had the best statistical quarterback in the history of Virginia tech history. So I hate your 2016, 2020 take on, on either side of the ball. I do think it's very, it's a very, very, very talented roster. I am excited to see what we're able to do, but man, you you do like throwing some shade on that. I team, I do not throw any shade 
On the 2016, <laughs> hey, listen, 2016 team, Isaiah, I know you're listening. I, I traveled to 13 out of 14 games that year, all right? I loved watching you guys play. I am looking at this 2020 roster and just seeing so many playmakers and so much depth, and that's why I like to bring this that's up. Fair. I'm not saying that okay. we're going to have a guy, um, you know, go out and, uh, you sure. know, catch 80 passes and, you know, over 100 yards. I am saying that collectively as a unit, I think there's a lot of speed and a lot of talent and a lot of depth. And a lot of those happen to be newcomers. So that's why they're not getting, you know, as much press as as much hype as well. Josh, what's your take? So the offensive line's better. Quarterback, 10% worse. I mean, I think Evans is is better than Hooker. Not by much, but, but a little bit better. Certainly different players. Running back room, a wash, right? I mean, it, I'd almost I give it. To, I'd give it to. Tw- I'd give running backs to twenty twenty if we're being honest. Probably. Yeah, I'd, I probably would too. I mean, McMillan, Rogers. Rogers, Evans was the leading rusher on that team. Mm-hmm. Receivers is a hands down twenty sixteen. That's not even close. I mean, I love Trey, but Isaiah Ford's better than Trey. Cam uh, Phillips is better than anything else that they have. I mean, I agree with you on that. I, now, I do think that James Mitchell could be – not the exact same player as Hodges, but as effective, right? Like, I, I, I really like Mitchell. I think Mitchell is a better pro prospect than Keen. Mm-hmm. And, and we all saw where Keen went in the draft. So, I, but, but hands down, the receivers are, are, are better in 16. I actually think it's fairly close. And this is – I'll say this. I don't know what you guys think, and maybe I'm on an island because I know people love to hate on Cornelson. I lived through the Brian Steinspring years, and this is just – I mean, that, that it will never get worse than that when you have Tyrod Taylor and and David Clowney and Marcus Vick and Brian Randall, all these guys, and you still don't have a top 20 offense. But anyway, um, w- when they had talent on that offense and experience in 2016, it was the highest scoring offense in school history or second yes. highest, I think. Thank you. And, and and was within uh, you know twenty yards of of tying or or beating Clemson in the ACC championship game. They have not had that kind of continuity on offense, particularly at quarterback or even in any other position for that matter. Mm-hmm. Since then, and I, I don't think Cornelson is Lincoln Riley, but I think it's vastly unfair that they have been that the play calling and the offensive staff has been ridiculed like they have. You got to have players. Jimmys and Joes are more important than X's and O's. And when 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 they have the, the talent they have coming back this year, I, I fully expect this offense. Well, I mean, to score what did they score thirty six a game last year when Hooker was the starter. That, that should a great be the offense. standard this yeah. year. Exactly. Yeah. And I think you made a good point, uh, Pat, with with returning the Bucky Hodges take and the Trayvon McMillan take. While they were probably more talented than the players that are playing this year, to be completely honest. I think I think that James Mitchell is a better fit for the offense right now than Bucky, Bucky Hodges was, and I think the running backs that we have in the running back room are a better fit than Trayvon McMillan was. Um, so my other hot take is that I think the tight end position will have more statistical output this season than last year. If you go back and you look at the numbers, Dalton Keene was targeted a lot more in his uh, in the season in 2018 than he was in 2019. He obviously did a lot of things that statistics wouldn't look at with helping Hendon Hooker, spending a lot of time in the backfield, getting people lined up. Um, but I do think that James Mitchell is going to have that breakout year. Um, Josh, do you have a hot take for this season? Hendon Hooker, second team all conference. Wow. Second There's team mine. all conference. Okay. I mean, it, it, you're basically competing with 
Mikael Cunningham, obviously Sam Howell, mm-hmm. um, and uh, oh, there's another one, and now I just oh, Derek King. I like I said, I think Hooker's better than Derek King. I think he has. Uh, I think the offense will be catered to Hooker just like it will be to King in Miami. Um, I think Virginia Tech will be a better team. Mm-hmm. They'll have more wins. Um, Cunningham is the one that scares me a little bit, but you got Lawrence too. Well, Lawrence, I mean, both- uh, Lawrence is first team. Right. Forget about it. You might as well write that in now. Yeah. Okay. But I, I think Hooker will make second team. I think that That'd be awesome. um, this, I mean, people just, people forget how effective this team was last year. Once he took over. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that the you know, six overtimes in the UNC game. So you kind of can't look at 43 points in that one, but what they did against Georgia tech, what they did uh, against um, Wake Forest, even putting up 30-plus on Virginia, a good Virginia mm-hmm. defense. I mean, I, I just think – I expect this offense to be so much better than people expect. And it's going to come down to him and Howell. And if Virginia Tech beats North Carolina and, and you, know, you know, theoretically is 8-2 and two or 9-1, and one, I think Hooker is the second-team all-conference, yeah. I'm really glad you didn't include Kenny Pickett on there because a lot of people are on the Kenny Pickett train. No, and I'm really having dude, trouble understanding no, that. no. Last, no uh, last segment, and then we'll let you go here, Josh. Uh, rapid Fire brought to you by the Chesapeake Center for Complete Dentistry. Our man, John Cran, walk on in. Hey, Sons of Saturday, 50% off teeth bleaching. A lot of you people have seen you smile. You guys need to, to get that taken care of. So uh, walk on in there. Let them know that the Sons of Saturday sent you. Spooky scheduling. Is there a game on this schedule that freaks you out a little bit? Could be a trap game. For me, it's just a 10-game 10, 10 gauntlet. Ten games in a row is a lot of games to play. Uh, we love preaching about player safety. The NCAA loves doing that. Josh, I know how you feel about Thursday night football games in the NFL, but uh, I don't like 10 games in a row, so that freaks me out a little bit. First of all, uh, can I get up on that deal for the teeth bleaching? <laughs> that would, that would have come in handy at the wedding we were all at a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, I, I would have to say the Duke game, but with when you think about the revenge factor of the embarrassment that this team went through last year, you have to think that they're going to be up for that game. But mm-hmm. the reason that I would look at that as a trap game is simply you get the you get the first two weeks out of the out of the way, uh, big one against Virginia, and then you got North Carolina the following week, right? Yeah, and we all know how big that one's going to be. So could in theory Duke could be a look ahead game, but. If they're looking past Duke after what happened to them last year, they got bigger problems. So I don't know that I, I see another spot on the schedule that's really like going to sneak up on you. I think BC and Wake Forest are downright awful. I, I mean, if they lose one of those games, then the whole season's a lost cause. So uh, I'll, look at, I'll look at Duke and say that one could be the potential sneaky one. Um, oh, most overrated team on the schedule. Uh, I think we'll agree here, Josh. I'm going with Miami. You're losing Russo. 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 One of the best uh, pass rushers in college football. And that place is a hen house. I don't know what goes on over there. You think we're going to, you know, be able to be quarantined and and doing everything we need to do and and dotting our I's and crossing our T's? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I I think Miami is heavily overrated. Uh, Russo, by the way, is a monster. Stud. Like that, mm-hmm. like that dude. That dude looks like Daniil Hunter from the yeah. Vikings. Like mm-hmm. long, tall. Like he and you watch him against Virginia Tech. He demolished Virginia Tech's O line last year. So good to know that he's not playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, Miami's they, they have to. Miami's the most overrated team every year. We could do this podcast Fact. 
we don't need to record this part. Just fast forward to next year and just cut the last minute and a half where we say, all right, who's the most overrated team in the conference? Miami. Okay, boom, next. We can save ourselves some time. <laughs> For me, it's Pittsburgh just because seeing some of these folks hype up Kenny Pickett, as we just said. I know David Hale loves him some Pitt this year. I think I saw him put Pitt as his number two uh, finishing uh, in the ACC championship this year. So I think it's got to be Pittsburgh for me. Position group that takes the biggest step forward. I'll kick this one off. The big fellas. Offensive line is going to be great. We've talked about it. And the defensive line. Like, as you mentioned it, Josh, I'm excited about the fact that we're recruiting big guys on defense. And we've changed the recruiting profile of Virginia Tech for so long We've had undersized defensive linemen. I understand that college football was much different in the early 2000s. Um, But today, the fact of the matter is you need big boys to clog the middle. You need to win the line of scrimmage. And I think for the first time in a long time, I mean, I can't remember when we had a defensive lineman like Justice Reed, uh, just an NFL body like that, a defensive end like Justice Reed. So I'm really excited about the defensive line room. No, that's a good call. Um, I, I, you know what? I'm going to go back to the well and the guy we were talking about a minute ago and say that the tight end group, I think Gallo is going to be a perfect replacement for Keen. I mean, he's not going to maybe give you the same, you know, type of plays that, that Keen gave you certainly in the passing game. But I, I think James Mitchell is a star ready to break out. And with some of the, you know, changing in the, in the, uh, in the lack of experience at the receiver position, I, I see James Mitchell as a guy who can make up a lot of that ground. I, I, I think he's, 550, 600 yards receiving this year, maybe five, six, seven touchdowns. I, I see Mitchell as a breakout for this team. I, I've been excited for this year for a while. Ever since they recruited James Mitchell, I was like, I can't wait till this guy just matures, gets into weight, college weight room, and a few years down the road, he could be a stud. And I, I think this is the big year for him. For me, I'm excited because it really seems like not a single position group on this entire team is moving backward at all. They're either staying the same or getting better. Uh, and like I've said before, the running back room is going to be very exciting this year and, you know, should be pretty, pretty uh, drastic over the past couple of years, um, with Herbert and Marco Lee and, uh, Holston getting some more uh, reps as well. Last two that I have for you here. So sons of surprises. All right, here's my surprise room. At first I was just going to go with divine Diablo. Uh, but I'm actually going to go with the entire safeties uh, room here. So starting off with Divine Diablo, he's healthy and he has a massive frame. And Pat and I were talking about this last week. For all of you that remember Cam Chancellor, how late did Cam Chancellor come on in his career? Go ahead and just look at Divine Diablo's frame. He's had some health issues. He missed the Notre Dame game two years ago. Um, but he stayed healthy for most of last year. And I think he takes a massive step forward this year. And then Devin Hunter. Devin Hunter's talented. Devin Hunter came in, didn't play as much as he probably hoped and as much as everyone else thought he would early, but he's been working his tail off uh, and he has a chance to step in here, filled in admirably in the UNC game last year. And he has a chance really to uh, make a name for himself and make that position his own. So uh, I'm really excited for the safety room this year. Devon Diablo looks like Cam Chancellor's little brother. Yeah. Are like, are we sure they're not related? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they wear the same number. They have the same 2% body fat. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, uh, they're crazy, man. No, I like that. I'll, I'll stick with what you said there. I think the safeties are going to be good. I would love to see somebody step up in, in Farley's absence too. I mean, there's a handful of guys in the secondary that while Farley's the big name, he's probably going to go top 10 in the draft. People are expecting the secondary maybe to, to I don't want to say struggle, but not be as good as, as maybe it was projected to be when, when Farley was in the mix. 
I think the secondary is going to be just fine. I mean, I, between Connor, Waller, Chapman, I, I, I think the secondary is going to be pretty good. For me, uh, I'm really, really, really excited. I know some people have been hyping him up on the Twitter machine. Amari Barno, just to see him out there. I know he was moved from the linebacker room and has been working with the defensive ends. Uh, but just a guy of his frame and his size and speed should be uh, pretty effective and uh, one of those guys that could be a household name midway through the season. And then uh, a couple other guys, Keyshawn Artis might get some burn. Dean Ferguson as well, Keonta Jenkins, uh, all on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so hopefully we can see some of those newcomers make an impact early on. Last question that I have here for you. Uh, it's my favorite one. The success of this team is dependent on blank. And I have one for offense and one for defense. For defense, I really think it comes down to grasping the playbook. There's talent all over the field on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, the guys love Justin Hamilton. Justin Hamilton has energy. Justin Hamilton's going to do some awesome things. You got the t- tap and tier link thing going on. I'm mean, really excited to see what kind of fronts we roll out with um, this defensive line. Uh, so I think that's most important for defense. And Offense, you love Trey Turner, Josh. We need to find a way to keep teams from doubling Trey Turner. It cannot be open season on Trey Turner. So I think that it's going to be up to Jaden. I think Jaden Payute has no option. Jaden Payute has to step up this season. There has to be a big body receiver that can take away a double team or maybe even demand a double team. We have Tavion Robinson, who's going to be really good out of the slot as well. Hopefully we have Raheem Blackshear, but I think the success of our offense, I think we're going to have a solid run game. I think we're going to have a good quarterback game. I think we have a great offensive line, but we absolutely cannot let teams completely take Trey Turner out of the offense. I like that. I I would agree. Uh, I mean, I think someone will emerge. I mean, I've I've talked about Mitchell. I think Mitchell can be part of that equation. Um, I love Robinson as a a guy that's going to take some, some attention away from Turner. But you're right. Turner is not a guy that is going to physically win at the point of attack a ton, right? Like if you're really, really physical with him, if you've got corners who can or, – or even if you've just designed your coverage to, to bracket him, it's not Julio Jones. Like he's not just going to go up and just pick the ball between two defenders a lot um, because he's just he's his, of his slight build. So, yeah, man, I, I would agree with that. Um, the other thing I thought about is just they got to get after the quarterback. With, with, they were so good last year when they got after the quarterback, when they had more than two sacks. I don't think they lost the game. Um, if this, if they, this front can pressure the quarterbacks of, uh, in, on this schedule, the back seven is going to do its thing. If that front four can, can be aggressive, harassing like the classic Bud Foster defenses used to be, uh, Justice Reed's going to be a big part of that. I think this Virginia Tech defense could be hashtag elite. It's going to be up to that defensive line, though. They've, they've got to be as good, if not better, than they were a year ago. Patrick Finn. Kind of took the words right out of my mouth there. Uh, with the Bud Foster to Justin Hamilton transition here, how can this Virginia Tech defense contain mobile quarterbacks? A guy yeah. like Derek King, Michaela Cunningham. Uh, I mean, you got guys all over the ACC, Sam Howell, who are uh, great out of the pocket. And if our linebacking core and defensive ends can get after uh, these guys, then um, it's going to be a successful campaign. Uh, But last question here for you, Josh, you did mention justice Reed. Justice Reed is the most NFL looking defensive end tech has had since blank. Oh man. Um, All right. Hang on. So the first one that comes to my mind 
is John Engelberger, which is way back. Do you guys even know who that is? He's like what uh, mid nineties. So he was so so uh, late nineties. So he was the defensive end opposite Corey Moore. Okay. On the national championship team, Billy Ray, you need to you need to study up on your history books. Okay. John Engelberger. John Engelberger (laughs) was. I'm almost positive of this. Was a former walk on who became an all-conference and I think even all-American defensive end. He was really good. Got a shot in the NFL for a while. He was like epitome of the lunch pail. He was great. Man, it's tough to like – because you guys hit it on the head earlier. Like Bud, Bud recruited speed rushers, right? Like Daryl Tapp. Yeah. Tapp played in the NFL but was like kind of a linebacker, like not really a true defensive end. Um, you know, Chris Ellis was kind of in that mold. Um, Ellis was Daddy great. Nicholas was a, was a large linebacker. Right, right, exactly. Like Daddy Nichols was six foot twelve, uh, one hundred ninety pounds. Um, Don't get it wrong; really hard to block, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, Engelberger to me is like the last guy that I'm. I'm probably forgetting someone, but like that's the guy that's like six foot three, just looked like he right. probably got off the farm, like two hundred and sixty pounds. Like that's your prototypical defensive end. It's it's been a while, man. Yeah, Reed's gonna be a beast. I can't wait to watch him. Josh, this is always a ton of fun having you on, talking some hokey history, uh, getting to hear you talk to uh, Virginia Tech. But uh, where can everybody find you? Where can everybody listen to you? And uh, just give uh, give people what they need to hear. Yeah, man. Follow me on Twitter, at Josh Parcell. I'm on WFNZ in Charlotte, which Pat can now listen to every day from his <laughs> lovely uh, apartment uh, in the go. Queen City, 2 to 7. Uh, and then every now and then, um, uh, I also do work for – uh, the ACC and the SPNU channels on uh, Sirius XM. Fantastic. Josh, thanks for joining us. We'll talk again soon. And uh, hopefully we do have some football to talk about here in the near future. I'll no see question. You at Gifford. You... Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll see it at a Frank Gifford golf course. No, you guys are the best. Uh, seriously. You guys are doing such a good job. It's really cool to see you, uh, how much you've grown this in the last six months, even it's, it's been really awesome. And, uh, Keep up the good work. Hopefully you don't uh, – if, if, uh, if, if you keep it up at this rate, you're probably going to have, like, Miss Universe on next. Like, what, what's after Miss America? I don't know. Oh, man. <laughs> Keeps getting better. She got reelected. First double Miss America of all time. There we go. Two years in a row. Uh, there we go. Who, we, can we claim that as a national championship, by the way? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's no. about it. It's about as close. <laughs> it's, it is honestly about as close as it gets. Bass, right, bass get fishing and beauty here. pageants. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. Talk to you soon, Josh. (laughs) All right, see y'all.